You're listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. Good morning. It's good to be with you guys. Like Bevan said, my name's Elliot, and today we are going to start a two-part message series. We're going to start it today and then wrap it up next week that we've titled Please and Thank You, and we're going to be looking at these two words, and these are words that we we teach our kids these words and we teach them to them um, because they're really helpful words for them as they navigate life, but also they're words that do not come natural to our kids. Our kids are not born coming out of the womb saying, please, can I have this? And thank you so much for being kind and doing that for me. And so we're going to um, look at these ideas and look at kind of what is, what's kind of the heart posture behind these ideas and why are they important for us as well as adults. And so today we're going to kick off, we're going to look at the word please, and the next week we're going to dive into the word um, thank you. And today, kind of the big idea, I want to start with the big idea. We're going to approach this from a few different angles, and it'll um, make sense as we kind of land the plane with today's message. But the big idea is we, as adults, we need to recognize our dependence upon God and ask Him for help. So that's kind of the big idea And that's what we're going to be unpacking from a few different angles this morning. So let's go ahead and dive in to this word and this idea um, this morning. If you spend much time thinking about the word please and our usage of the word please, you'll realize we use it in a lot of different ways. There's a lot behind the word please. Most kind of obvious and common is when we make a request, It's a polite addition to the request. So you ask for something, maybe this week you're going to be at the Thanksgiving table and you want the mashed potatoes. You say, can I have the mashed potatoes, please? So it's a polite addition to a request. And so it's an important thing. It's a thing that we want to help people learn and especially help kids um, say this. So I've got a a little clip of two sisters figuring out the usage of the word please. So I want to roll this clip real quick so you guys can see this. Ah, man, so good. So good. (laughs) Where do we go? I don't even know where to go. Um, Sometimes we use the word please. So that's an example. You know, it's a polite addition to a request, but it's not a guarantee that we're going to get what we want, which that sister learned the hard way. And um, sometimes we use the word please to communicate urgency or desperation. You know, maybe you wanted to get here this morning and you were telling your kids, come on, like, get your shoes on. If you, if you hurry and get out the door, we'll get our donuts before class this morning. And you're trying to get them to get out the door and keep telling them, get your shoes on, get your shoes on. They're not getting their shoes on. They're delaying. And then finally you just say, would you please get your shoes on? So there's, there's desperation, there's urgency behind the use of the word please, sometimes in the way that we use it. There's other times that we refer to please as the magic word. Kind of like if you say please, it's this trick to get whatever you want. You know, if you ask for it and you include the word please, just use the magic word and you'll get your way. Now, 
We all know it doesn't work that way, and that little sister learned that the hard way in that video that we just watched. But it, all this brings up the question, why do we put so much emphasis on our kids saying the word please? You know, why after a request do we say, you need to say please, or you need to say the magic word? Is it just to teach them to be polite, or is it just to teach them that there's some trick that they need to perform in order to get their way? Well, there's a lot more going on behind it than just being polite or just as a way to get what they want. The IRS points to what's going on behind this. They're kind of an, a surprising source for this, but the IRS calls kids dependents. It labels them dependents. It labels my children as my and my wife's dependents. And that's an accurate categorization of them. They they're dependent upon us. They rely on us. They're not self-sufficient. They're not in control. They're not independent. They are dependents. And even though my kids don't understand tax law, and I don't expect them to understand tax law, I do want them to learn that they are dependent upon us. But they don't like that. They don't want to be dependent upon us. They want to be in control. They want to be self-sufficient. They want to determine what's going to happen. They want their way. And the Bible helps identify why this is going on, why it's such a struggle to, to make requests, to say the word please, but also why this is so helpful for us. And the Bible identifies three sinful desires that every human heart is born with. The first sinful desire is selfishness. Proverbs twenty two fifteen says this, says folly is bound up in the heart of a child. The word folly here is the idea of selfishness. The Hebrew has the idea of a stubborn determination to have my way. And like this verse says, it's bound up in the heart of a child. It's interwoven with everything else going on inside of their heart. And if, if, if selfishness could be verbalized, what selfishness would say is, I want what I want. That's what selfishness is. It's, this is the thing that I want, and I want that thing. I want it. The second thing, the second sinful desire inside of every heart is arrogance. Ecclesiastes 9.3 speaks about this. It's kind of a depressing verse. This is what it says. It says, this is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. Like I said, it's kind of a, kind of a depressing verse, but it's got some really important truth in here for us. The idea of arrogance is the word madness here. It says there's madness in their hearts while they live. This word madness, the Hebrew is the word haulela. And you might recognize that word. It might sound familiar because we use the English hallelujah. And it's the same root. Haulela and hallelujah have the same root. It means to praise. So in our songs, a minute ago, Andrew was up here with the band and they were singing. And sometimes they'll sing hallelujah to God. They'll praise God. They'll exalt God. They'll recognize him as the most important one. Well, what Haulela does is it says, I'm the most important one. And like this verse says, it calls it madness. There's other translations of this that would call it delusional. It's delusional. It's crazy to say that you are the most important one. It makes sense to say that God's the most important one. But to say that we, me, the individual is the most important one, that's crazy. That's madness. That's arrogance. So when you add our selfishness with our arrogance, this is what our heart says. Our hearts say, I want what I want, and I deserve it. I'm selfish. I'm arrogant. 
Here's the third thing. Third sinful desire inside of the heart is damage. Again, Ecclesiastes 9.3. This is the word evil. It says the hearts of people, moreover, moreover, are full of evil. The Hebrew word is the word ra. Ra, just the sound of that word kind of encapsulates the attitude behind the word. It's a, it's a willingness to hurt other people. So our hearts are selfish, they're arrogant, they're damaging. You could say it another way, our hearts are, are sad. We have these sad hearts. And when you combine these three, selfishness, arrogance, and damaging, what our hearts say is, they say, I want what I want, I deserve it, and I'll hurt you if you get in my way. That's what's inside of every heart. That's what's inside of our kids' hearts. This is one of the reasons that please and recognizing the fact that they are dependents, that they rely on and need somebody else to do something to help them, that's one of the reasons this is so good for them, but it's also one of the reasons that it's so hard for them to do because of these sad hearts that they have. My two-year-old, recently he came into the kitchen, and he, he's probably the one, he's at the age where this is, this is the most obvious for him. The other kids, are as they're getting older, they're able to kind of hide this and be a little sneakier with it, almost like we are as adults, but for him, it's just right out there front and center. So he walks into the kitchen, he's got his cup, I'm doing something, he just holds it out and he just says, water. Kind of like, he just demands it. It's like he's, he's testing his authority. He's seeing, okay, can I, can, I just, can I make this happen? So he just holds it out and he demands water. And so we're working on this with him. So I said, okay, buddy, let's try this again. You need to ask daddy and then you need to say, please. You need to say, daddy, may I have some water, please? So his shoulders drop and he kind of takes a step back and he says, may I have some water? And I said, I kind of felt like that girl in that video. I was like, you need to say, please, buddy. Okay, so, Daddy, may I have some water, please? So he does it again. He says, Daddy, may I have some water, please? But then when he gets to the word please, he, his voice drops, and he just exhales the word. It's just, please. <laughs> and he didn't want to say it. He didn't want to say it. it he, he wouldn't have been able to verbalize this, but inside his heart, I mean, what he, was, what he was struggling with, he's got this selfish, arrogant, damaging heart, just like I do. He's got that kind of heart, and inside his heart, he's wrestling with, okay, am I going to humble myself and realize my dependence and ask for help, or am I just going to demand my way? It was a struggle, but that is so good for him to go through that process and to realize that, to come to terms with that. That is so good for him to wrestle with. But that's one of the reasons that the word please, that's an, an important word to use, but that's also one of the reasons that it's so hard, because this is the kind of heart that we have. And as adults, it's important for us to remember that we have the same kind of heart that our kids have. We have these selfish, arrogant, damaging hearts. And as adults, we're in a position of being dependent upon God. So we, we need to learn how to live in dependence upon God because that's the reality of this situation of this life that we're going through. But with these selfish, arrogant, damaging hearts, and then you add to that our increase in freedom and our increase in capabilities, we're able to accomplish far more than our kids can accomplish. It's easy for us over time to think that, you know what, I've got it. I'm good. I'm self-sufficient. I'm in control. I am... You know, I'm the captain of my destiny. I'm going to determine what's going to happen here. It's easy for us to start to live that way. And, and some of that's just from experience. I mean, if we want money in the bank account, what do we do? We go work. If we want to keep the house, what do we do? 
we pay the mortgage. If we want groceries in the refrigerator so that we can eat, what do we do? We go to the grocery store and we buy the groceries with the money that we earned. I mean, so as we go through life, it's easy because of our freedom and our capabilities to just start to think, well, it's up to me. I've got this. And we start to live like we're independent. We start to live like we, we don't need to depend upon God. We've got this. It's a really fascinating set of verses in Psalm 127. This is what it says. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. What this psalm is doing is it's, it's dealing with the topic of work, and it's talking about what it takes for stuff to happen in life. I mean, if, if you want to build a house, somebody has to go to work. There have to be workers. If a city is going to be protected, the citizens have to figure out who's going to guard it. They have to hire people and employ people to go watch over a city. That has to happen. If you want to provide for your family, you have to go to work. All of these areas that are identified here require human effort. We have to put in work in all these areas. But notice these words, these words that are really important. The words, unless and in vain. It says, unless the Lord does this, then our work is in vain. So it's making the point that, yeah, we have work to do. We've got to go to work. We've got to exert effort. But behind that, God also has a role to play. And if he doesn't do his part, if we don't get help from him, then the outcome is, you know, we can spin our wheels. We can work really hard, but the outcome is going to be, our work is going to be in vain. And with this passage, these two verses, is they're, they're helping us see that there's, there's two approaches to life. You find this theme over and over through the Bible, that there's, there's kind of two approaches to go through life. One approach is to try to do it on your own. This is the approach that in, in essence says to God, God, I've got this. God, I can figure this out. I don't need your help. I can do this on my own. I'm in control. I'm self-sufficient. I'm going to live like I'm independent, and I'm going I'm to do this on my own. The first approach is to try to do it on your own. If you choose this approach, God's going to respect your decision, and what he's going to do in response is he's going to leave you alone. He's going to let you do it on your own. A few years ago, my um, older son, he was playing with some Legos, and he had received this Lego set for his birthday that was a pretty complex Lego set. It was, it was more advanced than he was at. You know, when you get the Lego set, it's got the age next to it, and it says, you know, it's for this age kid, and it was for, a, for kids that were far older than he was at. So when he got this Lego set, him and I built it because it was too advanced for him, so we built it together, and we put it together. But then over time, it got broken, and it got mixed in with all the other Legos. So now the pieces are amongst all the other Legos. And he decided he wanted to build it again. Still incredibly complex, more advanced than where he was at. But now there's added difficulty because he's got to go and find all the pieces which are mixed in. So I heard him trying to do this, and he's getting frustrated, and he's letting out the grunts and the, oh, man, you know, and he's getting annoyed. And so I go in there, and I offered to help. I said, hey, if you want me to help you, I'll help you find the pieces and we can put it back together. And he said, no. He said he didn't want my help. And that's okay. So I said, all right, well, if you change your mind, let me know. So I walked down the hall and went back out to the living room. I didn't do that to be mean to him. I didn't do that to spite him or punish him. I did that because he wanted the freedom to do it on his own. And so I 
gave him that freedom. God will do the same thing with us. If we say to God, God, I want to do it on my own, God will say, okay, you can do it on your own. In my experience, whenever I do that, and I do it more often than I care to admit, when I do that, what happens is the frustration grows. The pain that I experience in life only increases. And it's usually after a period of time of prolonged frustration and the pain just keeping to mount that I realize my foolishness and I go back and I ask God to help me. And that brings up the second approach. The second approach is instead of trying to do it on your own, it's to recognize your need and ask God for help. Because while on the one hand, if you say to God, God, I've got this, I can do this on my own, he'll respect your choice if you do that. If you recognize your need and you ask him for help, what he'll do is he'll add his muscle and his power to your life and he'll help you. He'll help you in ways that you can't do things on your own. And this is really where the attitude behind the word please comes in for us as adults. See, in our relationship with God as we walk with him, we don't have to use the literal word please. I mean, it's, it's not a magic word. It's not a trick. But the attitude behind it is a recognition that I'm in dependence upon him and I need his help. And so this is a really good place for us as adults to live where we regularly recognize I need his help. And so I need to ask him. You know, back to the Legos with my oldest son, after a time of him being frustrated, and I could just hear him getting more and more frustrated, I heard him walking down the hall. And he walked out to the living room and he said, Dad, would you help me? Yes, buddy, I'll help you. Let's go build some Legos. So we went back down the hall and we built the Legos. God does the exact same thing. You know, usually it takes a long time of frustration and pain until we finally humble ourselves and come to the point where we recognize our need and go to him for help. But just like my son, that was a good experience for my son. That was a good experience for his selfish, arrogant, damaging heart to come to the conclusion that he needed help and he needed to humble himself and go ask for it. That was a really healthy thing for him. It's a really good thing for us as adults to recognize our need and then come to a place where we're humble enough to go to God and say, hey, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you to help me. It's a really good place to be. I want to I highlight a few of the ways that God will help when we, when we ask him. Check these out. First one is God helps us by giving endurance and encouragement. Romans 15, 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. The word endurance here, it means to keep pushing forward in spite of pain. God gives you the ability to do that. God gives you the ability to keep pushing forward, to keep moving, even though there's challenges, even though there's obstacles, even though there's pain, even though you want to quit, God gives you something that helps you keep pushing forward. He also gives encouragement. Encouragement, think of encouragement as putting courage in. You know, when you're courageous, when you're facing a situation and you're full of courage, you have confidence. You move forward with energy. That's so helpful as you go through life. It says that God gives that. That's something that he gives to you. So that means that you can either go through life and say, I've got this, I'll do this on my own. And then at the point where you need endurance and encouragement, you can just kind of muster up some kind of internal willpower 
draw on you know, your, your personal resources to try to push through, or you can go to the God who gives endurance and encouragement, and you can ask him, and what does he say he'll do? He says he'll give it to you. The next thing it says, says that God will help us by giving us wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 1.17 says this, says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. God will give this. He'll give wisdom and revelation. Wisdom is situational obedience. It's knowing what God wants you to do as you move from situation to situation in life. That's really helpful. As you're, you know, as you're, as you're facing a choice or you're facing a challenge and you don't know which path to take, wisdom is knowing the right path that's going to result in the best outcome. That's really, really helpful as you go through life. That, you can get that from God through the Holy Spirit. That's what this verse is saying. Revelation, think of Revelation as the eureka moment, kind of the, the light bulb goes on. Something's, something's hidden. You know there's a problem. There's something that you're facing. You can't quite see it. You can't make it out. It's, it's covered to you. Revelation is was it when it's uncovered, when it's exposed so that you can see the full picture. That's the idea. God, God gives that. You can't see it on your own, but he can, he can help you see it. He can help you make sense of it. You know, where in your life, where in your life is there a problem and you're looking at it and you're like, I know there's something going on, but I just can't figure it out. Well, through the Holy Spirit, God can, God can reveal that to you. God gives these things. And like this verse says, this is really interesting at the end of the verse, it says that may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, here's the reason, so that you may know him better. See, as you go to him and get help from him and experience how much better life is when you're depending on him than when you're depending on him yourself, as you experience that, your desire to rely on him is going to increase. It's going to grow because you're going to have experience with God really helps and life's way better when I'm depending on him than when I'm just going at it alone. Another way that God helps is God helps by showing us the best way to love. Philippians 1, 9 and 10 says this, says, and this is my prayer. So this is a request. It's a request because it's not something that we can do on our own. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. You know, if you're going to love well, if you're going to love the people around you well, that's going to require you knowing who they are. It's also going to require you understanding the situation and understanding how God wants you to treat the other person in the given situation. There's a lot of complexity. It's not just a feeling of, you know, okay, if I feel positive about you, then I love you. No, there, there's a lot of complexity that goes into figuring out the best way to love another person in a given situation. And that's not something that we can just come up with on our own. I mean, we can try. We can, we can just kind of sit there and say, okay, I'm going to rely on my emotions and my knowledge from the past to figure out the best way to love this other person. It just doesn't work out that well. But, it, you know, if we go to God for help, he'll help us figure out the best way to love. That's going to build up the relationship. That's going to set us on a path of blessing. That's going to draw two people closer instead of driving them away from one another. That is so helpful as you go through life. Like this verse is making the point, that's something that God gives. When we go to him and ask him for help, that's something that God gives. 
So I want to think through this. We've talked about how as we go through life, we are dependent upon God. We've got these sad hearts, these selfish, arrogant, damaging hearts. And as we go through life, we really have two options as we navigate life. We can go it alone. We can say to God, God, I've got this. I'm going to do my work on my own. Or we can say to God, God, I recognize my need for help. Will you help me in this situation? And let's, let's get practical here, and let's look at some examples of, of where we might do this. So I've brought a few items with me on stage, and I'll kind of explain what this looks like for my life so you can get an idea for you. So the first one, this is my computer. It's my work computer. This is what I do. Um, this is what I use to do my job. And my job, like your job, it's work. I'm hired to perform tasks. I'm hired to accomplish things. Part of my assignment this last week was working on this message. If I didn't put in the work to come up with this message, this wouldn't have happened. There's work that's involved. So as I do my job, perform my work, the question is, am I going to do it relying on myself? Am I going to say, I've got this, I'll figure it out, God? Or am I going to recognize my need and ask him for help? You know, for me and my job, two of the things that I regularly need, I regularly need wisdom. I face situations where I'm like, you know what, God, I, I'm not quite sure which path to take here. I'm not sure how to respond. Would you give me wisdom in this situation? So as I do my job, instead of just going through my day focusing on me doing my task, I need to regularly bring God into it and pause and ask God for help. Another thing that I regularly need in my job is endurance. I mean, it's work. Work is hard. Work is full of challenges, just like any job. And so I need God to give me endurance. I need to stop and ask God to help me. So an area where I've got to do this is with my work. Another area is um, I'm going to use my phone to represent my personal finances because I do all my banking digitally. Okay, I don't carry cash. I don't do any of that. It's all on my phone. So all my banking apps are on my phone. I need God's help to manage my money. Not only is it work to get money, but it's work to keep your money, isn't it? You got a plan, you've got a budget. I mean, budgeting in a family, that's work. There's conflict that goes into that. Investing for the future, growing your money through investment, that's work. All of that is opportunities for you to either say, I've got this, God, I'm going to do this on my own, or for you to rely on God. So with my finances, that's an area where I've got to put in work. That's another one. Another one, I've got this deck of cards. So this, to me, is going to represent friendship. Friendship is work. I wish it was easy. I wish friendship, you could just be passive and not do anything, and you just were always surrounded by a great group of friends who completely supported you and you had fun with all the time. But you know what? That's just not how life works. Friendship is work. We spent the last four weeks as a church leading up to this week talking about the work involved in growing and keeping friendships. It takes effort. If you, if you go passive on this, if you just sit back, it's not going to happen. So if, if I want good friends, if my wife and I want good friends, we're going to have to put in work. That's another area where when it comes to friendship, we could either say, Okay, we're going to go it alone. We've got this, God. We'll figure it out. Or we could go to him, recognize our need, and ask for help. I've noticed in friendship, endurance and encouragement are two things that I regularly need. There's times in friendship when it's hard, when it's painful, when there's conflict, and you're like, I don't know if I want to keep pushing through. 
I need endurance from God to keep pushing through. Encouragement is another one. There's times in friendship where, God, I, I just need some encouragement here. I need, I need some courage to do the right thing and you know, move forward. Those are two things that I regularly ask God for. This next item, this is one of my kids' um, baby books, and this represents parenting. I need a lot of help in parenting. I do. I mean, you, the, the, all these things that I just listed, endurance, encouragement, wisdom, revelation, knowing the best way to love, and there's a lot more that the Bible gives that I didn't list. I mean, you could go on and on down the list. I need all those things. And parenting, those of you that are parents or have raised kids, you know, parenting is a lot of work. All you kids in the auditorium, we love you guys, but you guys are a lot of work. You are. I mean, we, my wife and I, we have four kids. They bring four unique sets of parenting opportunities to us <laughs> on a regular basis. They do. They do. And it's not just, it's not just taking them to sports and activities and their education. It's paying attention to their friends. Who are they hanging out with? Who are the people that have influence into their life? It's paying attention to their character. How's their character growing and developing? Who are the people that they're becoming? How are they learning how to deal with sin and, and fight sin and choose to live the way that God instructs them to live? I mean, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of times where we're up against something and it's, we can't see it. We need God to give revelation for him to uncover something so that we can see the real issue that's going on. I mean, this is a regular ongoing thing. But with, with, with our parenting, it would be so easy, and there are times that we do this, it would be so easy to say, hey, God, we've got this. We don't need your help in this situation. We'll, we'll figure it out. And if we say that, he's, he's going to respect that choice. Or we could humble ourselves and say, God, I need your help in this situation. I need, I need wisdom. I need patience. I need encouragement, whatever it might be. I need your help in this situation as I raise these kids. This next thing I have is this is a um, this is a wedding picture. This is from the day that uh, my wife Allie and I got married, and this represents our uh, marriage. And um, before we got married, actually, Bevan is the one who um, told us this. What he said is he said uh, marriage is primarily a problem-solving agreement. Now, when he said that, you know, and you're dating and you're engaged. You're like, seriously, you're like, what a buzzkill. I mean, it's like, I thought it was all about how you made each other feel. And I thought it was just like lifelong happiness and bliss. But then you get into it and the high wears off. And what do you realize? Oh, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, it's just one problem after another. And some of the problems are created because I brought a selfish, arrogant, damaging heart into the relationship. And I cause a lot of problems in the relationship, problems that have to be solved. You know, same thing could be said of my wife. I mean, both parties are bringing that kind of, kind of heart. That creates problems. But there's a lot of other problems that have to be solved in the relationship. Now, the relationship isn't just this partnership about solving problems. I mean, it's not just like, okay, let's just solve the problem and get through it. We want to enjoy each other. We want a good marriage. We want a marriage that lasts. So that means that, that I have to pursue my wife. That means there needs to be romance in the relationship. And something that I've learned for me is I am just not the most romantic guy. I mean, I, I struggle in that area. When, before we got married, 
we, um, we were on a date. We were downtown, and we were getting ready to um, go on a trip. We were going to fly and visit my family so that she could meet my parents. My parents are out of state. So we we're going to fly, and we we're going to meet them. And my plan on that trip was um, to take her to a park where there's this um, hill that overlooks a pond. And I hadn't told her I loved her yet. So my plan was to take her to this really scenic, beautiful place, and at that place, tell her that I loved her. And so that was kind of my plan. Um, but I didn't want to wait for that moment. So we're downtown. We're on Main Street. We've just left a restaurant. We're walking down Main Street in the middle of a crowd, walking side by side. And as we're doing this, I said, hey, Allie, I was going to wait, and I was going to tell you this next week when we were on our trip. And I, when I said that, I think she knew what I was getting ready to say. And so very kindly and lovingly, she said, maybe you should wait. And I just blew right past it. I just completely ignored it. And I just blurted out, I love you. I mean, we're, we're shoulder to shoulder in a crowd on Main Street. Like, how unromantic can you get? And I realized that, okay, if this marriage is gonna, if this marriage is gonna be enjoyable and this is gonna be a strong marriage, I've got obstacles that I've gotta overcome. There are things about me that need to change. There are things that I need to stop doing and other things that I need to start doing. That's work. It's going to take work. And if I'm going to do that, I can either look at this marriage and I can say, you know what, God, I've got this. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in control, self-sufficient. I'm going to live like I'm independent and I'm going to do this on my own. Or I can recognize my need and I can go to him and I can ask him for help. Another thing I've got up here is I've got my Bible. This is another area. You know, the, my Bible represents my walk with God. Now, my, my walk with God is not limited to just when I read my Bible. I mean, as I, as I go through life, I'm always walking with God. But the Bible, this is where I learn how he wants me to live, and I learn who he is. Taking the time to read the Bible and learn those things, that's work. It's time it's an investment. It's got to show up on your schedule. There's no getting around it. It takes work to figure this out. And I could either look at this and say, okay, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to sit down and based on my own intellect and my own understanding and my own ability to connect the dots, I'm going to figure out how God wants me to live. And then I'm going to, I'm going to walk with him on my own power. I can do that. Or I can recognize I can't do this on my own. I need his help. So God, as I'm reading this, would you help me see things that otherwise I would just miss? Would you reveal things about who you are and how you want me to live that I'm not going to see on my own? So even, even my walk with God, even when I sit down and I read my Bible, I could either do it on my own or I could recognize my need and I could ask him for help. Each one of these things that I have up here, I'm going to put in work in each one of these areas. They're going to require time and investment on my part. I'm going to exert energy in each one of these things. I'm going to try to grow them and develop them and make them better. And as I do that, as I put in my work, I've got two choices. I can either say, I've got it. Or I can say to God, God, I recognize that I can't do this, and I need you to help me. So God, would you help me? And if I, if I choose the first option, if I go to him and I say, God, I've got this, and I just try to do it on my own, you know what he's going to do? 
He's not going to punish me, but he's going to give me the freedom to do it on my own. And over time, what's going to happen is the frustration, it's only going to increase. The pain, I'm just going to multiply the pain because I'm doing it without God's help. Psalm 127, we looked at it earlier. I'm going to experience what that, what that passage is talking about where it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the labors labor in vain. In vain has the idea of you're just spinning your wheels. You get to a point in life where you look back and it's like, I've been doing this for 20, 30 years and I'm, I'm at the same place I started at. I put in all this work. I, I exerted all this effort. Have I not made any progress? And that's, that's the point you get to if you choose to do it on your own. Or you could go to God and you could say, hey, God, I don't have this. I can't do this. I need your help. I need you to help me as I do my work in each one of these areas. So I've got an application for you today to kind of take this home. And being the week of Thanksgiving, uh, many of you, your schedules are going to be different. You're going to have more time than you regularly have. It's going to be a unique week. So we wanted to give you something that was a little more unique in terms of application. So if you're, if you're taking notes on the message outline, on the back of the message outline is the application. If you didn't grab a message outline on your way in, I would encourage you to grab one on the way out. So we've got, we've got a grid on there with three columns. So here's how this works. Step one, in the first column, make a list of the areas of life where you're putting in work. Where are you putting in work? Yeah, I just, I just showed for me, like here's some areas in my life where I'm putting in work. Where for you are you putting in work? So identify, just make a list of all those things. Step two is the second column. Based on the area where you're putting in work, what's a specific way that you need God's help? You know, in, in your marriage, what's a specific way that you need God's help? In my marriage, you know, I regularly need God's help to help me know the best way to love. Sometimes in marriage, you need endurance. That's the help that you need from God. You know, sometimes it's wisdom. Sometimes there's a problem that you're facing together and you need God's wisdom. So identify where is it that you're putting in work and then what's the specific help that you need from God? Earlier in the message, I, I listed five examples of ways that God helps us, but there are many more found in the pages of the Bible. So what's a specific way that you need help from God? And then the final thing is the final column is to pray. So based on that area where you're putting in work and the specific way that you need God's help, then spend time asking God to help you. So this next week, this could look a few different ways. Maybe you do this all at once. Maybe you just sit down, you make the list, you identify the help that you need from God, and then you spend some time praying through it. And I would encourage you, take some extended time. It's a unique week. You're going to have more, probably a, a different schedule than you usually have. So use that opportunity to spend some extended time. Maybe you just do one a day. Maybe day one, it's, you know what, I'm going to pray for work and the job that I have. And then I'm going to figure out, here's, here's a way that I need God's help in this area, and then pray for that. And then the next day, move on finances or whatever it might be, and just work your way through this. But I encourage you to do that this next week. And instead of living like, I got this, God, I'm good. Instead of living like you're independent, like you're in control, like you're self-sufficient, start to recognize that you have a need for God to help you. You're dependent upon him. You have a need for God to help you. And so take the areas where you're putting in work and go to him and ask him for help. Let's pray. 
Father God, I am grateful for the help that you give. I'm grateful that you, when we say that we don't want your help, you don't, you don't punish us, you don't make us pay penance when we return to you, but as soon as we recognize our need and come to you for help, you, you help us, and I thank you for that. And God, I thank you that as we experience your help, that grows our confidence in you continuing to help us. So I, I pray against our natural pride that tells us that we can do it on our own. And I ask you for humility to come to you and humbly request that you would get involved and you would help us in, in ways that we, we can't do this on our own. So again, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church podcast.